Alright, welcome to In the Lap of the Pods Queen podcast. It's just myself, David, here. The other two don't actually know that I'm doing this. Well, I suppose they will now, if they're listening. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll know that we are taking a break for a bit. Uh, But I had the idea to do a compilation of our studio album podcasts. Just taking our initial thoughts on each album and splicing them together, that kind of thing. So this captures our thoughts at the time of recording for each album, and while they probably haven't changed massively, I've no doubt we would have a few different thoughts today. Some of that influenced by you guys out there, having chats with you, getting your thoughts on things. Uh, I hear myself in this, uh, this episode talking about jazz, and I'm even irritated by myself. But again, I guess that's what I felt at the time, or maybe what I thought I felt. That's what's so great about Queen, I suppose. Um, Their music is so rich that opinions can shift week to week or month to month. Anyway, as I was cutting this, uh, I realised that the third anniversary of the first episode is coming on the 12th of June. So that was the when the very first episode uh, dropped, was the 12th of June, 2020. And I'm recording this on the 11th of June. So I guess this is a bit of a fluke, or serendipity, if you will. So, as I started editing, uh, a lot of thoughts came to me about how the podcast has evolved or devolved, uh, maybe depending on your stance. Um, but I hear three guys passionate about Queen, but maybe overcautious, certainly in the first few episodes. Having never done a podcast before, I guess that shouldn't be a surprise. It's not to say that we weren't being authentic, but it was a very produced version of ourselves. Which is actually really interesting because um, the audio quality is really rough. Uh, back then we were using £30 mics and I was recording all three of us on one track. And that's why you'll notice most of the time we aren't level with each other. Um, I even slowed down the finished recordings to help us be understood. Which was a mark of, you know, I guess, the insecurity and nervousness that I certainly had at the time. As things progress, we did loosen up, and uh, what you'll hear these days is how you would find us in a conversation, mostly. Uh, well, maybe tidied up a bit, we do pronounce words more um, than we would in our own company. So aye, this is still us tidied up a bit. When I listen to myself in those early episodes, I think I sound like Kermit the Frog. Um, so, alright Paul, what do you think? Uh, Joe, Joe, um... Got that kind of vibe to it, um, and I think it's that was a mixture of things. I think that was my probably my nervousness, you know, to be honest, you know, my voice getting tighter, and also, um, yeah, probably the, the shit technology didn't help either. But quite funny to listen back and uh, and hear it. We did revisit Queen, Queen 2, News of the World, and Jazz, and in fact, we've actually requested to revisit the rest. Eh, maybe we'll do that, I'm not so sure, but yeah, you know, I mean, again, as I said, opinions do change, slants on things do change, and it has been three years since we recorded most of these episodes, so yeah, it's worth, it's worth considering, maybe we'll just throw one out every now and again, you know, we re-recording, we'll see how it goes. Eh, uh, but eh, hey, talking about the swearing, um, aye, it does get a bit brutal at times, but hey, it's not for sure, it's just who we are, we all have situations in life. That's all three of us, uh, and guess you guys out there, where you have to play the game and edit yourselves, and so there's nothing better than getting together to discuss our favourite band and letting it rip. And I, um, they are our favourite band. 
You know, they are, um, despite um, how it may seem at times, we are merciless. And at times, I suppose... Well, I suppose I would say you hurt the ones you love the most, eh? So I hope you'll enjoy this wee two-parter retrospective and look forward to recording more new podcasts in the future and arguing with you all some more. A major thank you to all for listening and those supporters of the podcast in the very early days. That These guys allowed us to gain some traction and in the case of Michael Legg, he encouraged, encouraged us to keep going because we were going to just quit after innuendo. Thank you also to John, Roger, Brian and Freddie who have provided us all with life-changing and everlasting beauty. For the most part. I've no doubt I can speak for Joe and Paul when I say it is an absolute privilege to talk about this band and share that all with you. Thank you. So this first part takes us from Queen to Flash and the second part is Hot Space to Made in Heaven. I have include, included Made in Heaven in here through gritted fucking teeth, but it is there. Well, anyway, we hope you enjoy the episodes and stay well and look after yourselves. Paul, I'm going to go to you first. Queen's first album hits the shelves in 1973. This new band, Queen. What are you what are you thinking at that time? As uh, if you're a if you're a fan back there, given I mean you were one year old at that time, I think. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think I was being born when they were recording it. Yeah, um, I think I, I think if you are. You are, you know, a, a music fan in 1973, bearing in mind what came out at the time, uh, you know, during that period. For instance, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, and loads of others that have escaped my mind right now. Dark uh, Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon, yeah. Compared to those albums, this might seem a little bit unremarkable. Uh, it might just seem like a collection of kind of blues rock kind of songs with a, you know, a bit, maybe a touch of prog in there at times. That might account for the fact that it didn't do that great when it came out at first, you know. But having said that, uh, when you listen to the album, it's it's great. I will say out of, out of Queen's 70s output, along with jazz, this is, a, this is the album that I'll probably listen to the least. But Every time I do listen to it, I think this is a great album. Why don't I listen to it more? Yeah, I, I, I uh, agree with you there, uh, Paul. I think it's it's one of the it's one of the Queen albums I don't listen to as much, given the fact that I'm a big metal fan, as you guys are as well. And essentially, for me, it's a heavy metal album. You know, it is a heavy mm-hmm. metal album. It's, yep. it's there's more to it than just a, a bog standard heavy metal album, but. Aye, um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's one I listen to at least, but yeah, it's 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 like Hendrix. I don't listen to Hendrix a lot, but when I listen yeah. to Hendrix, I go, what, "Why the hell am I down to listen to this guy mm-hmm. a lot more than I do?" And yep. I suppose that that first album's a bit like that. Although I do know it backwards, I've listened obviously listened to it enough to, to to know it backwards. But anyway, I'm waffling on, so I'm going to bring Joe in. Joe, what's what's your sort of thoughts on on the album itself? Um, what's how is it for you? How does it sit with you as a Queen album and, and just as an album in general? It was actually the, the Queen's first album was the, the first album that I ever bought with, with my own money. So it wasn't obviously the first record that I heard, but it was the first that I bought. So I had, um, you know, when I took it home, it, because it was so significant, it was the first thing that I bought with my own money and stuff. It, it kind of has a, I have a real soft spot for that record as well. 
I think, uh, like like you, you kind of spoke about there, uh, for me, and when I bought it, I was I was obviously young. Obviously, I wasn't. I didn't buy it when it came out because I'm not that age. But um, I was obviously into in kind of heavy metal at that point and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, you know, I was familiar with like the the, the later on Queen material and the more lighter stuff. And then when I got that record, I was like, man, this this is a really heavy. Geez, I didn't realize this this band was as heavy as this. Do you know what I mean? Because like you said, it pretty much is a balls to the wall heavy record, you know, and um, and for that reason, I, I've always I've always really really enjoyed it um, because it's obviously playing guitar, you know, it's a lot of great guitar licks and riffs in it, and you know that I can hear the the kind of evolution, I think, sort of thing of the the way Brian May did the did the kind of you know the kind of syncopated and did it and did it and did it. I might be wrong here, but that that is very much akin to thrash metal and stuff like that. And this was in 1974, so instantly I was like, that perked my ears up, and I was like, that's that's really cool, man. You know, 1973, a guy a guy was doing that that style of riffing. You know, I mean, you had Sabbath and stuff who were who were doing more of the doomier type type things and stuff, which I also love. We all do, um, but Brian had a sort of uh, an urgency to his playing in that record that I hadn't. Really heard any any bands of that out that era doing so uh, it was always a really impressive record to me and and I think you can listen to that first record and you can also you, right away it's Queen and uh, you know what I mean it's for a band to have come out the gate in their first record like that and instantly you know the stuff on that first record that they were still doing right up to innuendo <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. st- stylistically. Yep. I mean yep. that's impressive. It's it's, it's yep. really really impressive, man. Um, yeah, the, the harmonies and things like that. You you know yeah. the, the, the idea. The idea it, they wanted to do harmonies yeah. from the start. I, you know. Uh, yeah. I, and that was their identity right right off the bat, man. Do you know what I mean? That was their identity. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, yeah, they deviated and stuff like that down the line with different styles, as everybody listening to this podcast will know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's just that it's a really 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 strong rock stroke early heavy metal record and I think it's yeah. very very important and I think it's it's majorly overlooked and I think uh, I think in terms of uh, you know if you want to talk about uh, you know like a signature sound the Queen sound or whatever I think this album and Queen 2 you know pretty much cement that the, the, the harmonised guitars and the you know the vocals the, the, the layers of vocals and all that that you know they did in this album they did in Queen 2 and then it, you know it ever so slightly started to pay off from sheer heart attack onwards, you know, mm-hmm. but they would always go back to it, you know, yeah. even even as late as Breakthrough on The Miracle, you know, the, the, the bit at the start, the, the layered mm-hmm. vocals and all that, you know, yeah, it was something that's what I mean. they'd always go back to. And it's yeah. and it's kind of something that maybe if you were asked ask someone in the street to describe how Queen sounds, they would say, oh, you know, vocal harmonies and, you know, mm-hmm. orchestrated stuff and all that. So I think you're, I think that right, this yeah. album's important in that respect, you know. Yeah, I, I absolutely, and, and even um, obviously um, before we did this podcast, yeah, I'm sure you you guys were were doing the same. But um, obviously, listen listening to the album a few times and 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 doing some uh, some reading up um, again to just to familiarise ourselves again of that period and 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 the album is actually taken, you know, given that Queen were in the seventies, especially. 
the, the critics hated them. You know, they they absolutely mm-hmm. despised them. You know, um, both in the states and um, and in the UK. But this album was actually take. It was quite favourable when it came out. I mean, Rolling Stone gave it a really good review. The press here gave it a good review. It was actually, um, and they were mentioning all the the bands that, you know, given that this was reviewed in 1973, when you look back at when you listen to the album now, I hear Black Sabbath, I hear, you know, Led Zeppelin's mentioned. I can get the comparisons to early Led Zeppelin. Okay, we'll we'll let that one go. But I think it's a bit only certain songs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Joe, I think it's more a Sabbath thing. Son and Daughter. For example, Sabbath, yeah. that, that's yeah. a Sabbath riff, you know. That, that's yeah. that's all. Don't I only be proud to write that riff, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So so, um, but just talking about the how it how it what actually was received, um, it was actually received pretty well, and um, which is which which I was quite pleased to see, you know, because I thought maybe when it came out, you know, as we've kind of alluded to before, the landscape it came out in. And what was about at that time, I thought it, people might have been a bit dismissive of it, but it's, it was actually received pretty well, which I was really, really glad to see. Um, Can I just say that the judge sort of in there. I just say the reason I think it was it was um, probably more in favour with critics more than the, the stuff that maybe came later on was probably because it was more straightforward. I think the critics yeah. really took a dig at Queen for believe it or not the progressive <laughs> the progressive yeah. stuff that they did because. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because really I, good, I think really good point, Joe. Yeah, because Queen Two got um, get not exactly slated, but it got less favourable reviews mm-hmm. because because it you know, because of the production and the grandiosity and all that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so who do these guys think they are? Sort of thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that absolutely. So yeah, it is, it is more straightforward, but you know, in terms of you know the way it sounds and all that, but. Is that is that down to the fact that they had so little time in the studio? They were recording in the middle of the night when, could you be. know, in, in dead time and all that. So that mm-hmm. was it rushed? Was it you know? Could they no, work on the songs well, more? Or I, you, well, you don't. Nobody really knows. But I would probably yeah. take a start. I'd probably just take a stab at the it being the first album, man. It's yeah. band's first record. I mean, I mean no, the, you know, you're, yeah. you're you're still finding the chemistry between members and and things yeah, like it, that. You know, yeah. it's strange because um, you know. You know, hearing what you're saying, Paul, and to degree what you're saying, Joe, but probably more so, Paul, about it sounding quite a simple album. <laughs> yeah, actually, I know, it's, it's not. not. It's, it's just, no, in, Queen, in Queen terms, it's a, it's a simple aye. sounding album, but aye. if that was aye. the only album that Queen ever released, aye. and they just disbanded after it, you'd be like, that, man, that band well, could have been amazing, because <laughs> they've got so, their, their, their arrangements aye. and their ideas, and, you know, well, I, 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 well, compared to Queen Two, it's a, it's like a discharge album. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> aye, that's like see what I mean. I totally, including the D beats. Um, <laughs> probably nobody on here will know what a D beat is. <laughs> but uh, maybe they will. Maybe they will. But um, I, I, I mean straightforward. I, I, I didn't really mean. I just think it was more more of a solid rock record. You know, people were probably expecting yeah. you know at that time of that climate. It was like your Led Zeppelin, your Black Sabbaths, you know. I mean, yeah, those bands had different stylistic yeah, things, yeah. but it was meat. It was meat and potatoes, hard rock, and mm-hmm. the first Queen record is the most meat and potatoes hard rock record. Queen two, right? Uh, let's get to it. Let's talk about the album itself, uh, Joe. I'm going to come to you first. Uh, so, Queen two. Talk me through your, your feelings for this album and, and how it is for you, how it sits. 
it's a, it's a difficult one to really describe, I think, because there's, there's so much going on, um, like you said, in comparison to the, the first album, it's almost night and day. Um, like There is obviously similarities, but the compositions are a lot more complex. Everything about it's just so much denser. Um, the melodies, the vocals are, are far more um, intricate in their construction. Guitars, same, you know, all the learning and stuff like that. I think the songwriting is um, is a lot more experimental than the first record as well. It took, I think, for a band to be on a second record, uh, especially with, with how maybe straight rock a lot of the first record is. It's quite ballsy, I thought, um, to, you know, in hindsight, looking back at it, to, to have a second record that, if anything, isn't very easy to digest, I think. You know, I think it's quite a, it's quite an involved album. It's something you you, you really need to sit and, and listen to. It. Whereas I think um, the first Queen record, I think a lot of it was maybe written for like for the stage because it's like straight up rockers and stuff like that. Whereas this album's much more, I think, in terms of um, sit down and really listen, listen to the music and listen to the parts. It's just a very very complex, dense album. There's so much going on in it. And it is definitely um, one of my favourite Queen records for that reason. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. As I said in the first podcast, <laughs> we've probably got to agree quite a lot in these early albums, you know, between the three of us. And I think um, one thing that came into my head when you talked about the sort of complexity, complexity of the album, the, the fact that it's not an easy first listen. Um, and I think that's for me, and I think it's the same for the rest of you guys, that they are the albums that resonate with you for years, years, year after year, because if the album is too simplistic and ideas and, you know, some bands get away with it, you know, you can still listen to Black and Black by ACDC over and over again, it's simple, but it's it's just got something about it, it's got that X factor, that thing you can't put your finger on, but for the yeah. most part, when bands release a simple album, it wears on you after about three or four listens, and I think, you know, that's the point you're making, Joe, the, the complexity make, makes it more intriguing. But anyway, I'm 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 waffling on a wee bit. So Paul, I'm gonna bring you in and uh, get your thoughts. Um well to me, Queen Two is a flawless masterpiece. What can I say? Uh, uh, you know, compared to the first album, you know, obviously they had more time in the studio, they had they could actually record in, you know, a reasonable time of day and all that, and they had all the time that they needed. And I think that just allowed them to just produce this thing that um, you know was obviously in their heads, and they managed to get it down in vinyl. It's just incredible. The first time I heard it, it kind of went over my head, and I would maybe go back to a night in opera, a day at the races, that kind of thing, which are more accessible. But when I did get into it, it's just unbelievable. Um, just the whole package as well: side white, side black. The you know, the, the iconic cover, um, it's just a whole package, you know, it's it's all thought out, whereas the first album is maybe done a wee bit on the hoof kind of thing, but this one is just the thought that's went into it, um, sonically, you know, visually and all that, just unbelievable. To me, it's the greatest thing they ever did. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so you go out there on a limb, Paul, and say it's your favourite Queen album. It's, uh, no, it's not my favourite Queen album. Um, it's, I think it's the best thing they ever did. 
but my favourite Queen album is An Eight the Opera. But that's for personal reasons because it's the first LP I ever bought and it's got so much, it brought me so much joy and everything that I've got an emotional investment in that rather than Queen 2. But the, you know, the, the side of me that's, um, appreciates music and all that would say that Queen 2, Queen 2 is the, the best thing they ever did. I would agree. I would actually. I would agree. I would agree with that because Queen Two isn't yeah. my favourite record, but I agree that it's the most. Yeah. It's the most accomplished thing that they ever did musically. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point from both of you. Although um, before we started to press record, both Joe and uh, Paul were saying how the Miracle was their favourite Queen album. So <laughs> I think they're actually just saying that um, true, on this podcast. True. They sound sound cooler than they actually are. So. Um, but oh, I'm, I'm kind of spoiling it for when we come to the miracle. No, we will cover the miracle because it is a Queen album. We will cover it. But anyway, back to 1974 and uh, Queen Two. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, the, the album is is absolutely up there with. Um, I've said this to to the guys before. I don't actually know what my favourite Queen album is. It probably changes from year to year or a month to month. Um, but it's definitely one of my favourites out of the the catalogue for all the reasons again that that you, you've all mentioned. I would challenge when Paul says it's flawless. I don't think it's flawless. I think there's there's a one track on it that I wish wasn't on it. Okay, and it, then. It, <laughs> then it would have been flawless. Um, I would even go as far as to say there's two. Okay, right, Ooh. that's interesting. Right, well, that, my, that's, not, that's not to say that I don't like those two songs, but I just don't think they're anywhere near as good as the, the, the great songs that are on it. Ooh, I wonder what songs we're going to talk about. Let's let's leave that hanging then, just for, the, mm. for a bit of suspense for the listeners, you know, like they really... <laughs> give a shit you know but <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll leave that hanging around and we'll come back to that but yeah I think it's an absolute um, it, is a, it is a can you call it a masterpiece if I'm already saying there's a song that shouldn't be on it I think you still can yeah because I think the rest of it is so strong that you know it brings it up to that to that level of, of, of a masterpiece I think it's one of the best pieces of music that that's been put on 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 vinyl. Well, that would have been vinyl at the time anyway. I just absolutely I, I love I love the you know the side this the side white the side black thing. I think works yeah. really well. Yes, it's pretentious. Yes, it's you know we can discuss all these things, but I think it works well. And you know, just diving straight into tracks here. The the the, the thing that I really like is you've got the kind of um, you know introspective. Sort of stuff from Brian May, the first three songs, you know, Father to Son, White Queen, Someday One Day, and then you've got Roger with uh, Loser in the End, and it just brings it back to the street. <laughs> you know, you've got this kind of, you know, and then the other side, it's back to fairies and, <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, that was a point I actually noticed, actually, and I hadn't noticed it because it wasn't until I looked at the credits for the songs. Um, I literally knew who wrote what and stuff like that. Sure. But when I but when I actually realised that Freddie didn't write anything on the first side, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of you can kind of hear that, and like you were saying, David, in the, in the lyrical what, what the songs are about, and even the the, the kind of vibe of the songs as well. Yeah. Sheer heart attack. A big big difference from Queen Two, Paul. Absolutely. 
Um, this is a band who are extremely accomplished musicians and extremely sure of themselves as, as songwriters and complete departure from Queen 2 and the first album. Although there are, you know, some echoes of uh, the, the previous sound and maybe, you know, some of the tracks have got a slight kind of fantasy element and all that. But on the whole, uh, we're moving into more just like standalone songs and rather than, you know, a, a kind of loose concept or whatever, like maybe the first two albums had. And, it's you know, uh, this is this is the beginnings of Queen as the the hit machine from here on in. They're, they're the band that everybody knows, hates or loves or whatever. It's a, it's a great album. It's superb. You know, as I say, completely different from its predecessor. Just just a great album. And, what you know, a great band, what can I say? <laughs> you know, amazing. Okay, so... Got the, I suppose the to, to to just take a wee bit of stock here. First podcast, yeah, we really like this album. It's really good. Queen two, well, what an album! This is great. And now we're on the third podcast, and we're saying, oh, what an album. Yep. So you know, forgive us if for anyone listening that thinks, you know, you're wanting some some sort of a uh, some um, we want to start grinding against each other on this. We might get that as we discuss it. I don't know, but. It's but just this is just real for us. This is this is how good Queen were, you know. It's this is not a, it's not a you know an attempt to just oh let's do a Queen podcast and kiss their asses for for fourteen episodes. It's certainly not going to be the case when you actually listen to the fourteen and completion. So I'm I'm going to bring Joe in now. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on sheer heart attack, Joe? Definitely one of my favourite. Uh, Queen records, without a doubt. Um, it's got a lot of, it's, uh, like Paul said before, it's. I think they took, probably took heed of a lot of the, the kind of experimentation from the, the records before, especially Queen 2. And with this, they probably thought, you know, it's kind of time to change it up a wee bit and maybe try to strip the songs, strip the songs down a wee bit and make them a bit more kind of palatable for the, the, the general public. Because, like Paul said, this was this most definitely was the first record that Queen had a, like an actual proper like hit, like proper hit that you know really resonated with with the public. That being Killer Queen, obviously, and uh, quite rightfully so. It's a it's an absolutely amazing pop song. Um, but I would say that's the first time you really hear a pop song on a Queen record. Okay, that you know there's lighter moments on those those first two Queen records, but there's no real pop songs. Whereas that 100% is it's to its core, you know. But it's so it's a pop song, but it's by no means simple. It's so loud, you know, and vocals, the vocal wearing, it's so intelligent. But you know, it's not just like um, a Slade song or something. But it's just pretty basic, you know, stomp along kind of. Here's the guys in the pub sort of thing, you know. It really. A lot of thought went into it, but again, as, as much as it's it's got it, it, you know the first real indication that Queen can write a you know a knock out the park pop song, you get still called crazy, which I know we'll go into later and stuff like that. You know about individual tracks, Stone Cold Crazy is like the most aggressive song that Queen ever wrote, and I think I'd 
probably use with a degree. I've got fair enough, but um, if it isn't, it's definitely right up the top. You know what I mean? Because it's and that's, that again just shows that Queen weren't really given too much this yet. Really, you know what I mean? I, although I don't think that the whole pop thing was a priority for them. So, and that's proven by some of the heavier numbers on this record. It was like, yeah, we can do this, but we like doing this as well, and we're not going to change that. And that's what I loved about um, a lot of the 70s Queen output. It was very much just they did what they wanted to do. And that's I, I love this album for that, because like the, the two previous, this record really it showcases Queen as a band that can do anything. And, and maybe when they touched on different different genres within one song, within this album, I think they really took like one song of one particular genre and and made a song of one particular genre rather than just dipping in and out. Mm. So that that was that, I think that was the first time I really heard them doing that properly. You know, that's really interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way. But yeah, each song is. Sticking to a particular style and not really deviating from that, you know, and then you move on to the next song, and that'll be a completely yep. different style, but it'll be the same style from start to finish. Um, yep. That's something I never really thought of. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, for me, it's it's a very, it's it's a very, you know, I think Paul said the first album is a very simple album, and we kind of always sniggered at that. But this is the same. It's a very simple album, but in Queen terms, um, you know, in, in, in general terms, it's, there's nothing simple, simple about it. No. Um, and I, I think it, there were moments when I was listening to this album, you know, just uh, reminding myself of it for the podcast where I had the hairs in the back of my neck. And that probably happens with all three, three of us with Queen on many occasions. But there were, there were bits in this album where, you know, it, again, it was that all-consuming um, feeling that you get from Queen in, in their music. And I think it's kind of what you were saying, Joe. You've got an album where you've got Queen 2, which, okay, if, you are, if you're a hard rock, heavy metal fan and you've got into the first album and the second album, maybe the second album you'll concede that there's some kind of flamboyancy on it, but you'll get past that and, you know, because there's still enough of a core, heavy vibe to the album that, you know, you can, you can ride with. But I think maybe even for fans like that, but by the time they got to Sheer Heart Attack, yes, you've got a pop song called like, like Killer Queen and you've got all these other styles, but the fact that they actually nailed them, those styles, they absolutely nailed them mm-hmm. so convincingly must have made even the, the most cynical fan go, it's not the album I maybe expected to be the third Queen album, but do you know what? You've got to give them the, the respect and the props because... They're absolutely knocking out the park in terms of the, the styles that they're actually, you know, um, able to, to to showcase on this album. An interview with Brian May, actually in 1990, talked about A Night of the Opera, and I thought it was quite interesting because he said that we returned to the Queen 2 philosophy for this album. So that's quite interesting because certainly in from my point of view, I can hear that because I think on Sheer Heart Attack, it maybe get a little bit simpler. And I feel on A Night of the, the Opera, um, certainly things got a little bit more more of the Queen 2 vibe at times um, in terms of complexity and things like that. I'm going to come to you, Joe, first. So, A Night of the Opera, 
Queen's best album, Joe? It's a hard question. I probably would have said, I'd probably still say no, personally, but that's obviously not a slight on the album at all, but it's definitely moved up in my estimations over the past week or two when I've really listened to it in a more kind of, in like a proper in-depth way for this podcast. Obviously, I've heard the album hundreds and hundreds of times, but sitting properly trying to analyse stuff. Um, it's definitely moved up more in my ranking. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, I'd say it's definitely one of them, without a doubt. It's, it's in the top three anyway, for me. Paul, just a bunch of vaudeville in the musical tunes, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a mess. It's terrible. No, that, this is my favourite Queen album. I have said on the Queen 2 episode that I regard Queen 2 as being Queen's masterpiece in terms of the arrangements and all that. But I've got a personal investment in A Night of the Opera being that it was the first uh, long-playing record that I ever bought for £3.99. That would have been about 1984. Yeah, 1984. This album has got great affection from me. It's gone me through hard times in my life. It's like a, a comfort. It's just incredible being dispassionate, you know, if I take all that stuff out and just looking at it dispassionately, it's an absolute classic album with some incredible stuff on it. Just some absolute monumental tracks, even the the so-called vaudeville and all that, and the way these tracks are constructed is incredible. Um, this band, I don't think they were, they, were, they, had, they had any peers at, at this particular time. I think they were the best bunch of musicians around at that particular time, and this album's incredible. All right, so incredible album. For me, A Night of the Opera is... I think I've maybe got a slightly different relationship to the album than you guys. I think it's it's an album... I don't know if it's necessarily in my top three Queen albums. I think it's probably one of the best of the rest for me. Um, I think it's a it's a great piece of work. I don't think it's without its flaws, which I want to discuss with you guys later on and you can shoot me down and, and tell me I'm wrong and <laughs> but I think you, you always I think it just depends what period you are in your life. You have different relationships with, with albums. And this is an album for me that's been up and down throughout my entire time um, being a Queen fan. Um, and right now, it's sort of in the middle. It's not, it's not really shifting itself into the, you know, the top Queen albums for me. And you know, maybe I'll discuss a wee bit why later on. In order to not keep kissing Queen's arse in every single podcast, I'm trying to be objective, but not be objective to the point where I'm um, discarding my feelings for the album. These are still my real feelings, and I'm wanting to kind of look at it take a step back because we're all very close to Queen and all very close to these albums. So I'm trying to see it differently. And that's no, not to say that because you guys hold it maybe top three or, or, you know, in Paul's case, maybe number one, it's not to say that you guys aren't being objective about it. It's just your course you are. So I don't mean that sound um, patronising to you guys. Just for me, I think it's probably easier for me to be objective about this album than, than uh, some of the others. 
Uh, so, Joe, um, what's what's your initial thoughts on on a day at the races? Well, listening to it intensely over the past week or so, obviously I'm really familiar with the album anyway, but under proper analysis, it stands up way better than I remember it in the past. It was always one of my less favourite 70s era Queen albums, but um, that's totally changed. My opinion has flipped completely. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I don't think there's anything... That, you know, I don't think there's any bad tracks on it where you know I, I could say there was lesser um, tracks on a night at the opera. Definitely for me, anyway. But yeah, it's it's, it's kind of it's been a, a real surprise to go back and, and really analyse it and, and nitpick it and, and actually realise just how complex an album it actually is. Because I always kind of consider it being considered it being a little less progressive, if you like. But in actual fact, it's, it's probably just as progressive in a lot of elements than the you know than a night of the opera was i think it's um i think it's a much meatier album as well i actually think um not having roy thomas baker involved in this record isn't a hindrance in any way that i can see i think it actually sounds better than a night of the opera mm-hmm. from a production um standpoint it's a lot meatier i don't know just everything just seems to be a lot more upfront in it if you know what i mean mm-hmm. production wise it's right in your face, whereas the Night of the Opera, I think, is, is you know, I, I, I think technically it's a great album, like, you know, the, you know, the, the techniques they use to record it, but I think this sonically sounds far, far better. But yeah, it's, it's a, well, we'll get into a proper discussion about it, I'm sure, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hit that's definitely moved right up in my estimation over the past uh, couple of weeks or so. So you said that at the start of Opera, the last one and then at the end that you change your mind so I wonder if you'll change your mind at the end of this one do you think? No I definitely don't because I, because, because I really really gave because I always I, I almost oversold an 80 well I know I did say that an 80 opera it moved up and it did a bit it, it, you know because 90 opera to be honest was never really one of my favourite Queen records anyway and neither was a day at the races so it did move up slightly, but A Day of the Races has moved up way more than A Night of the Opera has. Whereas if you'd asked me before, uh, what was a better album, I would have probably said A Night of the Opera. Probably because some of my favourite, or a couple of my favourite Queen songs are on A Night of the Opera. But as an album, as a cohesive piece of work, uh, uh, and something that, you know, um, stands as, you know, as, as like one unit, I think it's a, it's a, Far stronger record, definitely. I I've got the feeling that um, we're going to be quite in a in a lot of agreement with us. I've just got a vibe that, that I think that we're going to agree quite a lot on this album. Uh, the the production, yep, yeah, it was one of those albums that I always prefer always preferred the the sound of a day at the races to a, a night at the opera. I love the drum sound on a night at the opera. I think the drum sound fantastic, and I think they sound great again on this album. Uh, but maybe just a slight bit beefier. You know, really lovely drum sound on, on a day at the races. I think they've really captured a really cool sound. So I agree with you there, uh, Joe. Paul, um, a day at the races. This is all, this album's always been treated as a companion piece to a night at the opera, um, and therefore probably unfairly it's lived in its shadow. And I think if you take this um, away from a night at the opera, you forget about a night at the opera. This is an absolutely superb album, and. As much as I love A Night of the Opera, it's my favourite Queen album. 
that are that there is one particular track, Sweet Lady, that I, I really don't care for. But on a day to races, there, there's none of the, these tracks that I, I consider, a, you know, a weak track, or you know, I would prefer if it wasn't there or whatever. And I agree with you two guys about the the, the sound, especially the bass. Uh, John Deacon's bass is quite prominent in the mix. Certain tracks, certainly the Millionaire Waltz, it's like lead bass the guy's playing, and, it, and it's incredible. The guy's amazing. The drum sound superb. Uh, yeah, sonically, uh, it just seems a, a more coherent. Uh, you know, uh, we spoke on an opera about, about how Bohemian Rhapsody didn't really sound like any of the other tracks, whereas in this album, everything. Uh, uh, is on a, a more level playing field and it's it's maybe a wee bit more low key than a night the opera as well in terms of you know it, there's nothing here that's particularly pompous or bombastic or overly Do you know ambitious <laughs> nothing pompous no, on this album no compared to a night the opera no i agree with that as much there's, night the there's, there's, no, there's no bohemian rhapsody or prophet song in this album uh, as far as I can see. But there we go. Well, we're already disagreeing. So. No, it wasn't a disagreement. Um, it was just putting putting something to you because yeah. I think it's definitely got a share of pomposity on this album, you know? But, I mean, in comparison to yeah, Anita Opera, no, yeah, Opera is yeah. completely that, over yeah, the so, top. Yeah. Um, yeah. The instrumentation, the, you know, the, yeah. the, the work that went into individual tracks and all that, I don't think that's here on this album. I think... The guys are more relaxed, and you know they're, they're taking it. You know, don't get me wrong; they obviously worked their ass off because you know some of these tracks are incredible. You know, in terms of their arrangements and all that. But I think they've, you know, they're, they're a bit more relaxed and, and and more maybe more confident in themselves. You know, they, they, I absolutely don't have to spend a month on one track. You know, let's just try and get it as quickly as possible. Keep the vibe and all that kind of stuff. There's a there's there's tracks here that are more kind of vibey and all that if you know what I mean. Then mm-hmm. you know that they've not been overworked in a, in a sense that you know they're keeping their vibe. For instance, White Man is quite sparse. Um, it's got vocal harmonies in it, but they they didn't overwork it and add stuff in, and you know they kept it quite you know just yeah. just a, a a spare kind of riff all the way through. You know, totally. Uh, you, you know the the old cliche line. I totally agree with you guys. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, what you both said, I, I actually wouldn't, um, I wouldn't actually disagree with. And one thing about this album is, I think it breathes. Um, so yeah. it's kind of come along along the lines of what you just said, Paul. Um, I think it, 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 the space on the album, yeah. which is, which is certainly the first time maybe since she heart attack. You know, I don't look she heart yeah. attack was only uh, two albums yeah. before, right enough. But yeah. you know, certainly. I would say by this point in Queen's career, there's only two albums that really had that space, and it is Sheer Heart Attack and that Day at the Races. So I'm nothing more really to add on top of what what you've what you've said. Um, you've you've covered all my thoughts really on on the album, and added a few in that I hadn't thought of as well. So, news of the World Queen's sixth album, Joe. I'm going to come to you first. Ah, should I make you wait? Actually, because I know how, how much this album means to you. So, <laughs> do what you want. Nah, not at all. I won't, I'm not. I'm not tease you, Joe. Can you give me an overview of your your kind of thoughts on this album? 
what can I say? This is this is my favourite Queen record. Uh, I just, I, uh, what do you say? Uh, for me, this album just hits the hits the mark in so many different levels. You know what I mean? It's like everybody in this band is 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 writing amazing songs at this point in Queen's career for me. You know what I mean? It's like you've got Brian May's knocking out of the park, you know, with things like It's Late, um, We Will Rock You, Freddie's knocking out of the park, you know, with things like um, We Are The Champions and, you know, things like that. You know, Roger's knocking out of the park with Sheer Heart Attack, you know how innovative that is as a song. Even John, you know, Spread Your Wings. I mean, everybody just seems to be really at the absolute top of their game. Um, for me, this record, um, Queen... Oh, fuck. That cut me off, mate. Aye. So I'll go, um, this is Everybody's at the top, the top of the game. Aye, so if you just do that bit again and continue, mate, just we'll, we'll try and get it while we, while we can. Right. Uh, for me, this record, just everybody's really at the top of their game, you know. Everybody's firing on all cylinders with this record. Um, there's, there's, there's no fat that I can hear on this record at all. It's really lean in the sense that everything's um, just seems to be concentrated and really, you know, they've really crafted their sound perfectly and the balance is amazing as well. I think it's probably the most, for me, it's the the best balanced Queen record, you know, ratio from heavy to, to lighter stuff and everywhere in between. Um, I love the, the, that's probably a weird thing to say, but I love the kind of earthiness of it. It's a really warm I think I said this about a day of the races as well, which is obviously a credit to Queen's production. Obviously, Matt Stone had something to do with it as well. But, you know, those two records are very warm-sounding records. It's, they're very inviting, if that makes any sense. Um, it's just it's just a really... So, I mean, it's, I always say it's really solid, but it, but it really is for me. It's it's just... Uh, it's perfect. It's, it is probably my favourite album of all time. Uh, and... Yeah, this record really resonated with me at an extremely young age, you know, and it was weird because I never really thought of it as a, as being stripped down. Um, probably again because I had the entire catalogue at my disposal, you know, but it wasn't I wasn't until you actually pointed that out to me. I mean, yeah, fair enough that it really isn't that much in the way of vocal harmonies and stuff like that. Again, that's not why it's my favourite Queen record because I absolutely love all the vocal harmonies and all the, you know, all the the grandiose stuff that they did on previous records. But yeah, it's, it's, I said, I did say on Queen 1 that I thought um, Queen 1 was probably Queen's heaviest record. It probably isn't. This is this is Queen's heaviest record for me, I would say. Um, because there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of really dirty stuff on this record, you know what I mean? And dirty by, I mean, it's like, you know, aggressive kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, there's not a word for it. You know, when they're going aggressive in this record, it's the most aggressive they've ever sounded. And being mm-hmm. a metal fan... Prominent, prominently a metal fan. Um, it, it really, obviously, it, it, it plays to the things that I love about Queen, you know? So it's it's perfect for me. But I'm no doubt um, when we get into it, we'll, we'll see what other people's opinions are on it. I'm pretty sure it'll mm-hmm. not be too, too different from me anyway. But No, good. So Joe's, potentially Joe's fav- favourite album of all time. So big words there. Really, really big words. So... Cheers, Joe. And uh, Paul, how's this album ranking with yourself? Um, this is my third favourite Queen album um, after Opera and Queen 2. Um, 
it's a it's a stripped down, um, streamlined, absolutely made for American FM radio type album, um, and you know, it's no surprise that it, it's sold by the truckload in America. Um, it's a uh, full of great songs, um, and you know, uh, testament to the genius of these four guys as songwriters and musicians that they can just change their style and yeah do something else and they uh, and not lose anything in, you know, in terms of quality or you know uh, sales and stuff like that you know <laughs> in fact they're selling even more records you know on this one uh, just a uh, I a great album, and I'm looking forward to talking about the tracks on it. Okay, thanks, Paul. Um, News of the World, yes, is absolutely in my top three Queen albums. Um, I've said, I think I said in the first podcast, maybe, that I'm not actually sure what my favourite Queen album is, and I think that is still the case. I just can't really decide. Um, but I know what ones are my favourites, and I know what ones are my least favourites, and all the rest of it. So, News of the World absolutely is my top three Queen albums. I agree with Paul there on that one. It could be number one. In certain days, it probably is number one, you know. And uh, I think it's a such a well-rounded album. I'm not going to repeat everything these guys have said, but I agree with Joe on the sound of it. It sounds absolutely great. It's really fat sounding. It's really earthy, as Joe said. It's got... It's been stripped back deliberately. We go back to Freddie's quote there, obviously, at the start. There was also an, an intention to, to strip things back to basics. And um, I, I think it's a better album for it. You know, I would, I would, I think, um, had you started to put lots of harmonies on a lot of these songs, it would have killed, killed totally killed the vibe. Oh, yeah, you, maybe had, mm-hmm. you maybe had songs like Fight From The Inside, which are probably still stayed fairly kind of groundy because that's the way Roger writes his songs. But... You know, you could have had a few other songs that maybe would have would have been a bit too, yeah, just too overblown possibly. And yeah, so I, I think it's I think it's a great album, an absolute great album, and and a a fantastic, great, amazing, old whatever word you want to choose. That's the what this album is for me, and it's one of my favourite albums of all time, not just my favourite Queen albums. As well. Amen. Um, <laughs> it's a. Yeah, cheers, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's so, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we, we do these pods and, and by the end of it, we maybe reassess what we thought of the album. Maybe we love it even more. Maybe we love it a little bit less. Or, you know, after, you know, talking it through and thinking about the songs individually as, you know, as a group, um, because we're all so fickle and we just basically... Yeah, we just somebody says something, all right, you're right, and we just we just agree with each other, and that's what happens. But, <laughs> uh, no, not really. But I, I I would be very very surprised about if the end of this anyone changes their stance, other than maybe nope. they love it even more. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do. Start, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Alexis Petridis in the Guardian said. Jazz was hysterical in every sense of the word, but the music press comprehensively failed to get the joke, particularly in the US. So, Paul, I'm gonna I'm gonna come come to you first. We had ultimate classic rock and louder sound, ranking this as one of Queen's best albums. Mm. Are they wrong? No, not, you're not wrong for having your own opinion. My opinion is that we've been treated to, you know, some absolute classic albums. And jazz, for me, isn't really one of them. 
although there are some great tracks on this. My history with this this particular album, it started off, I got a, a copy of it on cassette from a good friend, Paul Devaney. The problem there was that he'd recorded it using high-speed dubbing, so it was <laughs> from cassette to another cassette at high speed. And the problem was that until I bought the LP, I didn't realise that I've been listening to jazz at completely the wrong speed. A lot of the songs, it, it, to be fair, it slowed down and it speeded up on certain tracks and all that, but, but overall, um, most of the tracks were slightly faster than yes. what, they, what they were as actually recorded on the LP. So mm-hmm. I, I had I, I, so by the time I got the LP, I'm like, this sounds weird and I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Dead on time must have sounded like Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, ever, man. And, and I still think that if you can't beat them, we, we'd still sound better, slightly faster. faster. <laughs> yeah. Right. You That's know, you're used to hearing it yeah, that way. Uh, possibly, right. yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. ingrained in me, kind of thing. But in the wrong key and everything as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think it, at one point it slows down in jealousy. So it, it was Freddie Sings with Matters of the Heart. It's, with murders of the heart, like that kind of thing, you know. So uh, the, the whole tape is fucked, basically. But, um, <laughs> but you know, uh, so I, and also it always I, I had a uh, I went camping with some of my mates, and it was just outside Helensburgh, which is a place in Scotland. And be, it being Scotland, it was pushing the rain, so I spent all night in this tent, and I had the tape of jazz which I just got at the time from my, my aforementioned friend, Paul. So I'm listening to this tape outside in the pushing rain because I can't go in the tent because of condensation, you can't breathe. So it's just a, a miserable experience that I remembered and I remembered that I was listening to jazz at the time. So in a sense, this album has never had a chance with me to to <laughs> to, to really reveal its secrets. But what, what I will say is, there are some tracks on here that I do have problems with, but having listened to it pretty intensely, like maybe average two, three times a day for the last week or so, there is stuff on here that previously I didn't think much of that I actually really genuinely love now. So, yeah, so it's actually quite a nice thing. Most Queen albums are imprinted on my DNA, and I thought this one was, but maybe maybe it wasn't because I just... As I've said before, jazz and the first Queen album are the two that I listen to least. Yeah, maybe I just never gave jazz enough of a chance because there is some good stuff on here. But having said all that, it's still, compared to the others, it's still probably the worst one that they did in the 70s anyway. Yeah. All right. um, High speed dubbing, I think. Well, looking at the, the sort of demographic uh, so far, who's been listening to the, the podcast, <laughs> I, I think they'll, they'll all know. I, I think they'll all know. <laughs> so I don't need to, to go into too much detail on what that is. Joe, jazz? Jazz, um, like obviously we've been speaking about this on and off, you know, for years. I always kind of defended it a bit more. I know Paul Paul really, did, well, back then didn't really seem to care for it that much. And I always kind of, you know, try to fight its corner and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I've uh, I've actually changed my mind. I actually kind of agree now more um, with <laughs> Paul and, and yourself uh, because I think this record was one of the first Queen records 
when I heard when I was really young. So again, I have that connection to it, you know, like maybe an emotional connection. Um, but I try to really step outside myself when trying to really have a critical view and on this record. And yeah, it, it really doesn't live up to to the the previous records. To me, it reeks it reeks of America. This album, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative in a negative way um, towards Americans. Uh, I just mean in the sense that I think it, I get the vibe that it was written very very much with the you know the American audience in in mind. Maybe you don't agree with that. You know, I just get that vibe. It's very it yeah. just seems seems very. Yeah. It just seems very. Some it some it some of it seems quite contrived. In a kind of weird way, if you understand that, I don't know if I'm even making any sense here. But yeah, it's kind of it's a bit one-dimensional for a Queen record as well. There's not a lot. There really isn't any big epic songs on it. Not that every Queen record has to have big, massive epic songs. It doesn't. I mean, as we move on, um, on the next albums that we're going to do, you know, that you know, there aren't very many epic songs, but the album, the songs that are on it, are really great songs. Whereas this one. Full shot, definitely. It just it's quite it's quite again, it seems like almost like a quite a shallow record to me as well. I, maybe that's coming into the whole vibe of me explaining, you know, where I where I think it was contrived and, and written for a for a specific market. But yeah, that's just my thoughts on it so far. All right, thanks, gents, for getting us started um, on the, the opinions on it. I'll, I'll wade in here. I, I think I'm somewhere probably in between both of you um, on, on what you've said so far. I've got a few problems with this album. Probably my biggest problem with this album is the production. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of had a problem with it to a degree, but uh, not to the point where I thought it was so much, it made it unlistenable or anything like that. But having listened to it quite a few times and lead up to the podcast, I've got even more problems with the production than I had, you know, maybe from memory. Um, which I'll get into when we talk about the individual tracks because, there's, you know, we'll, we'll mention that when we talk about the individual tracks. I'll give you my, my reasons for saying that. You know, they got Roy Thomas Baker back for this album and we talked, we were praising how good News of the World and Day at the Races and and really all of their albums to this point, up to News of the World, were all sounding sounding great. The first album, of course, had its you know, had its challenges and all that, but really from Queen to onwards, you know, there was no no problem with the production at all. And we, we were talking about Mike Stone's involvement in the last two records and how, you know, possibly his his influence was you know, as an engineer was really, really giving that warm sound to the band. But Mike Stone's not on this one. Mike Stone's, for whatever reason, is not on this. This is a completely different engineer. In fact, I've got the record here. Let's see if I can get the gentleman's name. But so with Mike Stone's away, Roy Thomas Baker comes back, who is the big producer. You know, the guy that produced Night of the Opera and all the rest of it. Jeff Workman is the engineer on it. Don't know anything about Jeff's work or anything, so I don't want to, you know, slate the guy or anything. But you know, you've got Roy Thomas Baker back at the helm, and this is what they produced. So effectively, I'm going to be quite almost kind of nasty here and say, this is not good enough. For that album to sound like that, with Roy Thomas Baker back, it's not good enough. It's not good enough for a Queen album to sound like that. Now, the songs and the material is something else. That's, you know, that's, you know, the producers only get so much influence over that. 
I can hinder. I can hinder it though. Can you're right. You're right, Joe. That's yep. a good point. But yeah, I I just don't think it's good enough. I think it's 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 a really poor sounding album and a really poor mixed album. Um, mm-hmm. To the point where they've actually tried some ideas to be clever, and they actually come off really really badly. And again, I'm going to these these ones. So that's my biggest problem with this album is the sound of it and the production and the mix is just so wide of the mark. There is stuff on this in terms of music that I really don't care for. And <laughs> to, to, to the point where I, I wouldn't care if I never heard them ever again until the day I mm-hmm. die. And this is the first Queen album I felt this way. It's a taste thing, I know. I mean, obviously, like, you know, we talked about some of the tracks in the previous albums where I don't have a, a, that much of a connection with, but I can see that they're really well-crafted songs. I don't feel this about a lot of the stuff on this. I think a lot of the songs on this are borderline poor. In fact, there's probably one or two that I would say are not good songs at all. <sighs> yeah, I know it does kind of feel like I'm going for the throat here. And I'm again, it's just how I feel about the album just now. And um, it, there was two things. When I first listened to the album for the first time when preparing for the podcast, I, I had I recorded the podcast right after that, I would have been probably exceptionally unfair about the album. Having listened to it a few times afterwards, that softened slightly and I can see the good in the album as well. So we'll get to that when we talk about the tracks. That's kind of my... I'm getting a wee bit more bitter than you guys possibly about the album, but, you know, there was a really good point that one of the, the, the you know, our followers on Twitter, i sorry, I forget who it was, so apologies, uh, there's no shout out here, but they made a point that it seemed like the band needed a break. You know, when they heard this album, it seemed like the band were maybe a bit burnt out. And I never thought about that. You know, we, we just talked about the start there, how many albums they'd made in such a short space of time. So I can definitely see that, that, that we are thinking something I definitely hadn't thought of before. You just think it's Queen. I, did, I, I expect this level of, I expect this standard from you, deliver it, you know, and, and you've, you've got to be fair on the band, you know, at the, at the time and, you know, they were turning it out. So that's a really good point. Joe, got to come with you. Hello. So, the game. Are you playing it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's that old, mate. I, I've got to shoot myself for even saying that. Do you like that song, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, not now, no. Got to unplug now. I'm just going to unplug. Puns are getting brutal. Um, <laughs> oh, the game, the album, am I playing it? Several times, actually, <laughs> in preparation for this pod. Um, I love this album. This is this is one of my favourite Queen albums. Um, again, I don't know why. I couldn't really pinpoint exactly, you know, why I, I love it so much. I mean, obviously I love the songs on it, so that's kind of a half silly thing to say. But, um, yeah, just such a... It's, again, it's a, after jazz, well, you know, that we discussed, there was a lot of stuff on jazz that they could have left off it. You know, there was 13, 13 tracks, I believe. And, you know, you could have easily have diced four of them off of that and probably had a, a more consistent record in my eyes. Um, and I think the game, they, they probably took heed of that um, because there's less tracks. And it is the, the shortest Queen record out of all their catalogue. It's, uh, I think it comes in at 35 minutes. That's correct, um, yeah, 35 yeah, minutes. Yeah, uh, so that's the shortest Queen record. Um, 
and I, you know, and for for that, I think it's it's beneficial to the record because it kind of just boom, boom, boom. The songs just hit you, There's, and and they just they just get out of there quick, and they leave you with the impression that you want to go back and listen to it again. And that's how I feel about the game. It's it's a very it's an album I, I can just listen to all the time. Um, it gets right to the point. Um, yeah, I love it, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting a proper discussion with you guys about it. What do you guys think? Paul? Uh, well, yeah, like you say, Joe, compared to jazz, uh, certainly in terms of production and, and songs, that this is you know, a, a vast improvement, and, and certainly in, in my, my eyes anyway, ideas, I guess. Um, it's, uh, yeah, 30, 35 minutes. There's no, there's no fat whatsoever on this album. It's just, you know, it, it, it does what it has to do and gets out of there. Um, it's just the whole, the, the sound is, you know, clean and crisp. Um, even, even the packaging, the cover, you know, the, the kind of silver brush, kind of silver thing, you know, and just everything about it, you know, suggests that, you know, efficiency and, you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but, you know, um, that's interesting. No, that's yeah, interesting. you know, yeah, kind of interesting way of looking at it. Clean, something, you know, clean, 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 you know, I, I don't want to say like industrial or anything like that, but you know what I mean, just like, you know, polished, I guess. Aye, and, you know, um, the, the only thing is, um, um, the, the actual uh, the photograph on the, on the cover, um, it was it was a review I read, and I can't remember who the guy was, but he says that. You know, uh, the the covers kind of misleading in a way because it's got the band and the leathers and all that. So if you buy this, you're expecting a kind of metal album, I guess. I mean, this was a year that <laughs> you know British Steel came out, Heaven and Hell, but Black Sabbath, that kind of thing. Maybe you're looking for something a bit heavier, you know. Um, but but the album itself is is a kind of more pop oriented kind of uh, thing. Um, so that was just an interesting wee we uh observation from that guy sorry i can't remember where i where i saw that but um yeah just make I, up a name make yeah, up a name uh, what was jo, he called jo, rob nesbitt frederick bilsara i think it was um, oh, how unimaginative <laughs> <laughs> what rob uh, no <laughs> frederick bilsara <laughs> um yeah, I, I, you know, uh, this is a vast improvement in jazz, you know, and, and this is one of my favourite Queen albums as well. Um, it's probably one of the least heavy albums. Um, that, definitely. Uh, you know, um, and, and Brian, Brian May said something about, uh, you know, uh, you know, that it was an experiment to use less guitars on this album. But what guitars are, are there are, are used absolutely brilliantly. You know, um, and Brian May's guitar tone in this is amazing, and I think Mac uh, had just changed the whole. Um, you know, it's a it's a brand new studio for for the band, and um, I think Mac completely changed the way everything was mic'd and all that. You know, like the drums and the the, the amps and all that, and and you can certainly hear it. Um, so it's yeah, it's a, it's a fucking great album, and, it, and it's got great songs, um, and you know. As I say, it doesn't mess about. It's, it's superb. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a bit of an echo chamber, maybe, this pod, because I don't think there's m- much um, I would disagree with what the gents have just said. It's one of my favourite Queen albums as well. Um, I, I, I kind of liken it to Sheer Heart Attack News of the World. 
in the sense that yeah yeah they were both albums that something had happened before and they've changed it up slightly um you know if the the Queen 2 being the almost you know I remember Rush talking about Hemispheres when they, after they made that they were like I really don't want to make an album like that again that was exhausting and they made mm-hmm. uh, Permanent Waves after that much more stripped down and so that's kind of like she heart attack for them probably <laughs> let's just kind of try and, and it's obviously quite a complex album as it is you know she heart attack but you could see a change there obviously as we discussed in the pod and then News of the World again after two yeah. You know, certainly in opera and, and day races. And I think this is the same. And then maybe the change is for a different reason, as Paul alluded to, with jazz being maybe a bit of a... I don't want to say creative failure, because that's that's harsh, because it's not it's it's not a bad album by any means, but I think they definitely recognised that a change was needed. So um, so I think that's it's kind of similar to those two albums for that reason, but not sonically. They're sonically, it's completely different. Um, change up in sound. I think it's very simplified, as you said. It's pretty much pop structures for every song. Yeah. You know, verse, yeah. chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out. You know, yeah. for most of it, and and that's cool. That's fine. Um, I think they had to possibly go back to basics, um, to to almost kind of try and find herself a wee bit again. <laughs> we'll discuss if that actually worked in our benefit. Like for the albums that came after that, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, <laughs> certainly this moment in time, it seemed to be the right album at the right time for them. Um, as I see it, um, and I would agree, there isn't a song on this album that I wouldn't have on it. I think they all belong there, and they're all, you know, they've all got their place. Um, I think the, the the band took a risk in some ways with this album. Um, the risk being that they actually moved towards a more commercial sound overall. They had commercial stuff on uh, their albums before that, but I think this is overall a very commercial sounding album. But it doesn't suffer for it. It's not. It's not a sellout album or any of, the, any of that kind of stuff. It's just that they've simplified it, and it has, as I said, got that kind of pop uh, sensibility to it, which is, which again, there's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And we talked about the evolution of Freddie's voice as well, and I think you definitely hear. Mm, this is maybe the absolute clincher for Freddie turning into that rock god voice. You know, we heard the heard, heard kind of elements of it in the, the previous two albums, but it probably really came came to the absolute pinnacle at this point and that classic freddy sound so um yeah one of my favorite albums in my top five uh, queen albums and looking forward to talking to talking about some of the tracks So this is Michael. This is your favorite album, yeah. Like I mean, if favorite Queen album, it's it is my favorite Queen album uh, for reasons we'll get into in a, in a little bit, I'm sure. But uh, like, if if a friend of mine sort of said, oh, "Well, you know, I know a bit of Queen, but I, I don't know where to start," I wouldn't go. Well, Flash Gordon's <laughs> definitely. <Yeah. laughs> you know, I mean, like, if I'm going to listen to Queen. I don't necessarily listen to Flash Gordon. I would listen to maybe Sheer Heart Attack, any, any of their albums. But, but Flash Gordon, to me, I just think, I just think it's what Queen do brilliantly. It's what made me interested in their early albums. It was that level of experimentation. Mm-hmm. And here's the big controversy here. I'm going to drop the bombshell early. Ooh. I think <laughs> this is the last album where Queen were absolutely experimental i just don't think they even came close i don't, i actually don't think we disagree with that actually not maybe yeah. maybe until innuendo 
Like, I don't yeah, think yeah. they really sort of tried to be experimental. Again, you could say hot space, and I wouldn't stop laughing for a month because you're that <laughs> wrong. Hot space <laughs> was not Queen being experimental. Hot space was a band divided, and uh, and half of the band were really into dance music that they enjoyed, but absolutely didn't understand on any level. <laughs> and the other two guys were going, why aren't we a rock band anymore? This, that's not an experiment. That's a yeah, band. That's, that's not, yeah, cohesion. Can I, yeah. This, this, this album, it just doesn't get the credit it deserves as the pioneer that it is. Like, mm-hmm. There's no, there was no soundtrack album like this before Flash Gordon. You listen to Trent Reznor's soundtrack albums, they all go back to Flash Gordon. I even say, and I'm sure people go no way, but I, of course, I'm stubborn, so I'll dig my heels, heels in. Quentin Tarantino's compilation soundtrack albums all link back to Flash Gordon because of the use of dialogue. I think mm-hmm. you mean he probably would have just shoved. You know, those songs as, as a, a mixtape for his friends, because that's how he thinks anyway. If it wasn't for the fact that not only did Queen use the dialogue on the album, but it's in the music itself. It's, it's a wonderful experimental album where the band members themselves are not always doing what we know them to do best. That's why I love this album. Fantastic! I don't no. think we can. I don't think we would can. No, uh, you know, contest any of that at all. So um, um, thanks, but, thanks for listening. Um, cheers. <laughs> that was Flash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, since you piped in there, Paul, what's your what's your thoughts on Flash then? Flash, yeah. Flash, Flash Gordon, <laughs> original movie soundtrack. I should say that's the premiere of the universe. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, after the game um, where the band, you know, first, uh, you know, they, they first introduced the synthesizer, I think the band have certainly got to grips with being able to work it properly. Maybe in the game, the synths were used as you know, kind of noises rather than you know, really anything um, musical, uh, uh, if you like. And there's some great melodies in here. And, you know, little bits and pieces, but you think that could have been developed into a, a full song, you know, that, that type of thing. And, and like Michael says, using the dialogue from the film is a, is a genius move because you can follow, you know, what's happening um, rather than... They seem you know, part of the songs, don't they? The, the dialogue seem almost like they're part of the song yeah, rather than yeah, just incidental yeah. things. They seem like they're, yeah. it's been thought through, it, you know? Yeah, and, it, and I think it, you know... Um, the actual dialogue, I think it's helped by the fact that the actors in the film, even even the kind of incidental, the, the, the guy that says, General Kara, Flash Gordon approaching, has got a brilliant voice, a, a dead interesting yep. voice, you know. Yep. All those lines, all those lines are almost as justified as any of their lyrics, in as much as yeah. people technically sing them. You know, yeah. the, the single yep. Flash came out, you know, everyone sang Gordon's Alive. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and that line, that uh, line would never be a famous movie line if it wasn't for the Queen soundtrack, if it wasn't for yeah. Flash's thing, yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that Flash was a hit yeah. single. Yeah. Also, it's been warped in the in the in the not just the nation's conscience, in the world's conscience, because the line "Gordon's alive" doesn't exist. <laughs> Listen to the song; it's "Gordon's yeah. alive." Uh, it's so calm. yes, yeah, it's exactly. Brown, yeah. the most yeah. calm performance, and yeah. yet, yeah. boom. That's yeah. how we. That's how we hear that's it. So you remember it, yeah. If anything, right. he queens it up. 
You're yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> in the in the single, most people would pro- probably the most memorable line isn't anything that Freddie sings. It's you know yeah. what what do you mean, Flash Gordon approaching? You know that yeah. kind of thing. You know it's yeah. So the dialogue and and as I say, the way it's delivered, that they've got interesting voices. The the two people with the least interesting voices are the the two American actors in it. You know. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the guys are, are, you know, Shakespearean English, you know, actors and all that this kind of stuff. They've got deep, rich, resonant voices and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's um, not even that's not even the actor's voice. That's not. Yeah, even, yeah, yeah. That's no, right. Yeah, Sa- yeah. Sa- Sam, Sam was dubbed, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Um, he didn't uh, so, make it to the soundtrack album of his own film. I know that works. Bad, that's bad, sad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't you, seen that, that that Netflix documentary about it. I it was it's good, man. Watch. It's really good. Oh, you mean yeah, the Life good. After Flash one? That's uh, worth watching. Yeah, it's good. good. Yeah. It, it's brilliant to watch just to see Brian May play Flash on the piano. Yeah, yeah. that bit's excellent. Yeah, it's yeah, it's everything I want yeah. from Queen. Now I don't want Queen to make a new album. Like I mean, no, I'm sure no might. chance. I want. <laughs> Every outtake of Queen, I want to hear Brian May write Flash on a piano. I want that demo. <laughs> yeah. He's got it. A <laughs> bastard better give it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agree with that. So, yeah, as I say, using the dialogue and the soundtrack as uh, as, a, as a great move because you can you can follow the story and it's not one of, you know... <laughs> you know, like Michael says, there's, there's nothing equivalent to this up to this point. Um, a couple of years earlier, there was, uh, you know, War of the Worlds, the Jeff... Uh, Jeff Lynn. Yeah. Jeff Wayne. Jeff Wayne, Jeff, Jeff Lynn. Jeff I always get them to that. Yeah, I get them to <laughs> Jeff Wayne. Yeah. Jeff Wayne, and, it, and it's like... John Wayne's uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne. Uh, I'm uh, like you that, actually. And, that, <laughs> and, and to me, that that's cr- kind of cringy and, you know... Yeah, well, uh, you know, yes. do, do, I, I am doing this. The world is in danger. You know, it's, you know, it's just I don't know. Just uh, it's not minutes. the same thing. In fairness, I mean, I'm no fan of that 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 album, you know, at, at all, really. But it's two different things because they're telling the story in that album. They're not telling yeah. the story in this album. Well, no, but no, but, but Queen's attempt at getting the story across, I think, is more interesting than ah, okay. right, Queen yeah. does it. You know, which is have someone stand there in front of me and go, "We are doing this," you know, and you know the Martians are coming, you know that, you know. As I say, uh, the more memorable bits on it are the bits where the whole band comes in, or where there's some orchestration. I think the, you know, the the bits of music where it's maybe just a, a synth on its own, maybe, you know, maybe not as memorable, you know. So it is good that you've got dialogue to remind, you know, yeah. to place yourself in the, you know, where, where you are in the movie and all that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it is, I mean, I might be wrong in this, you guys are the experts, you'll be able to fill me in, but to me it's very much, <laughs> it's very much Queen's album, but Brian May, I would say, is like not maybe uh, the band leader in this project, but he, it feels like to me he's... The, yeah. the, he was, the, I think. He, he spent the most time. Yeah, yeah he was the, actually. I yeah. think he was. He was yeah. more involved. I think. Yeah, I think he was coping just like Mark, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He definitely seems to be pushing that story forward. But yeah, I, I just don't hear it as anything other than a Queen album. Even yeah. when, and I think this is the thing that maybe would put a lot of people off, or maybe why it's so far down the list in Queen fans' uh, list. Um, it, it's it's because it's somewhat missing 
Friday. That's mm-hmm. what people would say. And I would somewhat listen to that if it wasn't for the fact that I hear Freddie the whole way through this album. I Musically, just, yeah. I just feel that the band are on this album. I know what you mean by the sort of more, for want of a better word, because I know about four words, soundtracky parts of the soundtrack. But it's still, I mean, it's still like there's parts where, um, like, it's all very synthy. And you go, oh, this was written by Roger Taylor. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Of course it was written by Roger Taylor. And Roger is clearly yeah. there. That is up. And the same mm-hmm. with uh, a, a song that we'll get to, I'm sure, later. A tune, I'm sure we'll get to later. It's the fact that Freddie's not singing on it, but his piano is loud and clear. And it is definitely Freddie Mercury's piano. I just hear the band. I absolutely hear yeah. the band in everything in every part of this. And, and let's face it, it ends in such a queen way. It yeah. may as well be... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it may as well be a queen gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. And I think you know, that's, 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 that's interesting. It's certainly not some, something I didn't think about is actually the... Without Freddie's personality still still yes. in all those in all those I songs, which is which is obvious when you see it, but I hadn't really thought along those lines. That's that's no, nah, that's interesting. Make fact. Uh, Joe, anything anything to add into in the mix uh, about Flash? Just that Ming's a total dick. I mean, the actual the diet. Really doesn't. Yeah. It's just like no. Nah, just like this guy is like so evil, man. I mean, you know it's Ming, but yeah. it's like telling people to fall on their swords after blowing up their fucking planet. It's like. Jesus Christ. I don't want to defend Ming. I don't want to... I'm not, I'm not a Ming. The Ming. I promise you I'm not. But what I'm saying is, I think this might be the best opening moment on a Queen album. And let's face it, their opening moments are pretty good. This mm. Just the, the, the way it begins with, oh, Clytus, I'm... <laughs> and what does Ming do? He puts on a Queen album because that's what he did. Admittedly, the only other track Ming plays is by Hitler's favourite composer. But well, yeah, <laughs> yeah but even, then, even then, you can't knock Ming for that because it's oh. not like Ming and Hitler wouldn't get on. Yeah, and it'd be pals. Yeah, it'd be pals. Eh? Definitely. Authentic. Authentic. Definitely. Well, last at least to go on a t-shirt like, like a big heart in the middle, and then Ming and Hitler, man. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, the, the album. I mean, I was probably like you guys, and uh, you know, obviously I'd heard it a bunch of times before and stuff. Like I kind of, it's not that I didn't dislike it or anything like that by any stretch of the imagination. It was just again. Probably because it didn't have Freddie on it vocally, it was probably one that I, you know, I maybe didn't go back to as much because I, I think you need to be in the mood to listen. To, well, I need to be in the mood to listen to Flash Gordon because it is, it is mostly, you know, it's music. It's for the foremost, it's not really much in the way of songs as such. Mm. But, um, but I mean, the the, the planes, everything on it's amazing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's Queen, like Michael was saying. It's Queen. You can hear it in every single note. Uh, you know, okay, they might have, you know, transcribed something that they would have maybe wrote, written on a piano and put it on a synth, but it's still got that Queen vibe, you know what I mean? And that's undeniable all through the record. Um, and I think it's, listening to it as well, well obviously we'll delve into the, the tracks more, in more depth, but it's cool because it, there's a lot of really, really evil synth work in this this album, man. It's just, it's, yeah, really, yeah. It's, a, it's really dark. And I almost, I almost kind of wish 
they, they, they kind of took some of the synth riffs and made them on the guitar and had like a real fucking, like Paul was saying, like a real heavy, heavy queen tune, you know what I mean? It almost sounds like, like Sabbath or something like that. But I'm not taking that away for the synth work because I think it, it suits it and I think it's brilliant. And yeah, I think as far as soundtracks go, it, it's, it's groundbreaking in a lot of ways, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, because often it is like an echo chamber with three, the three of us and it's just we're just agreeing with each other all the time. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm really glad they made it. Um, I, I really am. And and it's the point, point Paul made about the synths, yeah, it feels like they've grown up really quickly with how to use synths because the game, it was more noises, you know, and kind of sound effects, as Paul, was, Paul had said. But the fact they were able to get to grips with it, with the synths so quickly and be very musical with them, I think is impressive. And if, Right, okay, boy fans out there are probably going to, if there's any listening, the thing I'm about to say next, they're probably going to, you know, want to, want to smash up their devices. But if you if you strip away all the dialogue and the, the campiness from it and take away the, the big rock tracks out of it and take away and just focus on the synths, you, you know, you're talking about the side to a low in, in many ways, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because... Yeah, I, I mean, I expect. I mean, it's the whole way through the album, especially Brian's stuff. It's he knows what he's doing in as much as he's taken fifty uh, sci-fi tunes. It is like, it's like, yeah. ooh, a bad guy's coming. All that stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. Roger's stuff. Like it's a uh, um, the in the space capsule, the love theme, mm-hmm. uh, which is like track two or three, and it's you got. Hang on, this is Roger Taylor. It's not Brian Eno. It sounds like Brian Eno. Yeah, and where yeah. the hell did we connect Roger Taylor and Brian Eno? The the guy, the the rocking and shagging guy from Queen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brian Eno. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It's absolutely so too, Vlad. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think I think, you know, obviously there's no way I'm saying Queen would ever take the risk of putting say two of, of a normal album, if you want to call it that, and doing what Bowie did, because I think Boy, in fairness, probably took more risk than Queen did. Um, but just in terms of the instrumentation and the, the composition, it's just, it reminds me a lot of a lot of that, you know, what Boy did on that album and side two. So, yeah, I'm glad you agree with that one. <laughs> I just love the, the really stark coldness of the synths as well, the synth work. It's just really, really, yeah, that's what gets me on this album. Um, and even just, you know, we talk about Queen in, in a lot of terms of the, you know, the, the big compositions, the grandiosity and all the rest of it. But I love the fact that they were they were quite happy to be really minimalist on this album and really mm-hmm. strip it back to, to almost nothing, just just a simple synth line and maybe not even anything in, behind it. You know, let that go on for... Again, I know it's soundscapes they're creating and, and that's, that'll be a reason whether they would do that in a proper song or if you want like, to call it that, who knows, but... I really do think this is where Queen work best is when they've got very little. Because if you think of... Uh, a night at the Opera uh, and and uh, and Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously, that that was make or break. And part of them just went, well, if we're going to die, let's die with our boots on. And they yeah. made this uh-huh. insane album, right? Any anyone that who was more afraid of their career rather than their art would have gone a different route. So they were, in many ways, uh, down to their last penny, and they went well, then let's make something brilliant with this last penny. And it's the same sort of thing here. And as much as they go, right, here's what you have to do for an album. Imagine turning around to a band and going, you have to do this. Be like, hey, we're a rock band. We'll do whatever we like. No, you're restricted. Absolutely restricted. Mm -hmm. And they they rise to it when they're restricted. There's something about 
how easy recording became for Queen, I'd say, from the game onwards. And that's when you can start to see, oh, this is an easy thing for them now. And they're not working hard. And like they, they are not doing, um, you know, they're not wearing the tape thin with their vocals on top of vocals on top mm. of vocals. It's, they work brilliantly when they work. But, you know, I guess the album after this, they had a nicer studio. And yeah. okay. they had, they had um, <laughs> whatever technology really improved and it was so easier to record. You know, you can definitely hear it in the miracle. The miracle must have, the technology for the miracle must have been brilliant. Yeah. Just hear the low quality of what's on that <laughs> album. But, <laughs> no. I mean, sonically, it sounds it sounds a million a million pounds. Right. You know, the the, the, the right. you know the, the quality you know the sonic quality of it. Yeah, yeah, but, and yeah. it's got you know I want it all, which is brilliant. Yeah, I just think that uh, that's what I love about Queen. I love yeah. I I love that Queen are this huge band, and we know them to be uh, like over the top and pretentious. And no one uses the word pretentious Queen in a negative way. But yeah, they are. They're brilliant. Yeah. They're pretentious. Of course, yeah. they are. They're flamboyant. But for them to be as outrageous and uh, as they are in this restricted arena, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think uh, you know. Uh, you know, reading what Brian said about it at the time, it, it, it seems that the, the biggest constraint that the band had was time. Because right. he says the, the band didn't have enough time, or, or he, he felt brilliant, he didn't Perfect. have enough time to, 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 you know, get what he wanted done. So that I mean, worked have, in his favour. Yeah, that, that might have felt, you know, the fact I think, that. I think that's also really, really, really relevant. You know, it's, yeah. it's it, sometimes you have to take the product away from the artist. You do, because you, they'll just mm. make Keep it going. better. It'll be yeah. terrible. It'll be yeah. so yeah. awfully better. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah, I thought, th- wasn't their first album recorded in, oh, I don't know, less time than it takes to listen to it? Or something like, it's like, it's <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're in rattling out the tracks when they could, so, uh, you know, yeah. and, and I think we've, we talked about, obviously, in News of the World podcast, um, how they gave them, they, they'd given themselves three weeks to pull the material together. They actually deliberately restricted the time to get, yeah. the, and that's why they saw, you know, that, that album is probably as good as, as it sounds, you know. So, that, I think there's a point in that, absolutely. Mm-hmm.